Okay, well, I just want to welcome everybody this morning that's here and online. Our weather's getting better, and you're still here. So that's good news. We're going to be going to Acts chapter 12 in just a moment and continue in our series called Empowered in the book of Acts. Uh, before we get into the message, though, <clears throat> I want to thank Pastor Jimmy for speaking last week. He did a great job on Acts 11. So would you give Jimmy a big hand? <clears throat> And also, I want to say, next week is Mother's Day. You don't want to miss it because my wife is speaking next Sunday. And uh, it's been a while since she's done that. Also, don't forget, two weeks from today is our City Kids Dessert Auction, and that's going to be fun as well. Also, I want to uh, tell you about May 27th. That's uh, a Saturday, 9 to 1 p.m., we're going to be having a breaking free seminar with Dave and Cheryl Bryan, and uh, you don't want to miss them. Childcare will be provided as well, but Dave and Cheryl uh, are some of the most amazing folks. They're sought after all over the world. They had an encounter with the International Church of Satan with Anton LaVey years ago, and their story is remarkable, what God's done in their church and through other people's lives. So. Sign up at the Connection Center or on our website, and uh, you don't want to miss that weekend. All right, let's lift up our Bibles, smartphones, iPads, whatever you have your Bible on. Let's make our prayer declaration together. Say this with me. This is my Bible, God's holy word. This book is alive and it's powerful. I read other books, but this is the only book that reads me. There are many opinions but this is the only opinion that counts. Today, I declare by faith, I can do all that says I can do, I can be all that says I can be, and I can have all that says I can have. Today, I ask the Lord Jesus, the living word, to take his written word and personalize it from my life so I can leave here changed by the power of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Acts chapter 12, verse 1. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. So here's your first point you can write down. God's purpose will always overrule human intention. I want you to get that in your spirit today. No matter what's going on, in your life, no matter what's come against you, uh, no matter how many people have conspired against you or the invisible has conspired against you, I want you to know no one's greater than your God and God is above all of it. So what it means to say, that's what it means to say, if God is for you, who can be against you, all right? So you can try and stand against uh, one of God's kids, but in the end, it's always God's purpose that prevails. All right, verse two. So Herod, now just so you know, he intended to persecute them. So verse two, he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. So James is the first martyr among the apostles. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded, 
by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Herod's excited, just stopping there for a moment, because the Pharisees and the Sadducees love this guy for persecuting the church. Herod is doing what they can't do because of the law. He's actually doing their dirty, dirty work, and they're applauding him for it. And so uh, he murders James, and Herod's thinking, if they love me for killing James, they're going to love me even more if I get hold of Peter. So he arrests Peter, keeps him in prison between two soldiers that uh, he's chained to. Some think he had, uh, Peter had one chain on his wrist, each wrist, and one chain on each ankle, and the chain was a pass uh, attached to the door, uh, to the wall. And then two soldiers were standing guard at the jail door. And then every six hours, there would be a shift change. So 16 soldiers overall are in charge of guarding uh, Peter. Now, this to me could look like a, how many would think that's a bit of an overkill. But Herod remembers Peter and John were in jail uh, a while back in Jerusalem, and they escaped, and they were found preaching Jesus in the temple. So Herod wants to make sure it doesn't happen again, especially on his watch. So verse 5, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. How many know Herod forgot one thing, the church? And so now we have a showdown between Herod's prison and the church's prayers. I want you to hear that. It's a cage match between Herod's intentions and God's purpose. So it tells us that they, the church, were earnestly praying to God. Maybe they gathered on a Wednesday night, but kept praying for days. Wouldn't you love to be in a prayer meeting like that? So these were not the kind of prayers you whisper. It means they wouldn't stop. It means they, even if it hurt, they kept going. It means even though they were disappointed, they kept praying. Even though they were hungry, they kept praying. They kept praying even though they had no clue if it was working. They kept praying, all right? That word earnestly, uh, it says there they were earnestly praying. It's the same word that describes prayer. When Jesus knelt in the garden of Gethsemane and he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That's how they were praying. It's the kind of prayer that Jesus described in Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8, where it says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. That's the title of my message today. Knock, knock, all right? So look at your neighbor and say, who's there? I love knock, knock jokes. Uh, I found this one the other day. Knock, knock. Yeah. Settle down, big fella. All right. Did you know? Uh, did you know you can know certain people by their knock? You can know your kids by their knock. Our daughter Jill had a very sweet, tender little knock. She would just barely knock on the door, and she was like saying, 
uh, mom and dad, I want to come in, but I, I don't want to be a bother. And, and if you have time, may I come in and spend time with you? And that was just a very sweet, gentle knock. Then there was Jamie. <laughs> Jamie had a very determined knock. It was like, I'm going to knock and give you five seconds, and I'm barging through the door. <laughs> and did you know, you can know your grandkids by their knock, too. Uh, our do- granddaughter, Livy, the oldest, she's pretty, like, she feels like she owns our house. So she will knock on the master bedroom door and just say, I'm coming in. And then there's Matthew, our grandson. He doesn't even knock. He just comes in. So let me give you four keys to know who's knocking at the door. So here's key number one. In your relationship with God, you learn to discern when it's him knocking. And if you don't know, or if if you don't, you'll open the door to people Uh, who don't have the best intentions in mind. So you'll open the door to the enemy who may bring uh, what you want in your feelings, but it's destructive in your faith. If, If God lives in your heart, over time, you'll learn to discern his knock. At first, when I was growing up, I thought God knocks with a sledgehammer. I grew up in a church where sometimes you learn maybe from your parents or sports, uh, coaches, those kind of things, or in my faith growing up, I grew up with a couple of pastors that were, I would call, yellers, and uh, they would scream and shout at you, and so for, for years, I thought God must have a pretty loud knock, you know, and then knock, knock, and it's like, just, okay, God, I think you're there, but, and yet, when you really live with God for a while, you'll learn that his, not, his knock is not super loud, but gentle. And uh, you learn to know that gentle knock of the Lord. Now, you also learn a lot of times what you initially think is the devil knocking on your door to attack you is actually God knocking at your door to develop you. Let me say that again. Oftentimes you think what's knocking at your door is the devil when it's actually God knocking on your door to develop you. And what actually knocks on the door looking like trouble sometimes is there to train you, to teach you to trust God. And this takes time, walking with God for uh, not just months, but years. And that's sometimes, even if you don't like what's standing at the door, when you hear the knock, uh, that by the time God gets done working in your situation, that you realize what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. And it enables you to live with the kind of faith that is very peculiar to a lot of people who think that everything God brings into your life looks nice. And the, the knock on the door should be, should be no surprise to you. Uh, and just you find nice things like bouquets and, and uh, maybe uh, checks in the mail, that kind of thing. But you'll find, I want you to hear this, you'll find with most knocks, there's opposition. Have you ever prayed for patience? That's a dumb idea, by the way. I've learned to, to not pray for patience because I know what God is going to send to the door. If I do, he's going to, he's going to send opposite, opposition. So like uh, I've told this story before, but I think it's worth repeating. A couple of years ago, I'm sitting at a stoplight on my way to the church for a work day. It's about 8.45 in the morning. I'm sitting at the stoplight on 1st and uh, uh, Broadway. 
And as I'm praying, I pray, Lord, I thank you that you've helped me become more patient. I thank you, Lord, that you've helped me to become less reactive. And I thank you, Lord, for your kindness on my life. And I just pray that you'll bless this day. In Jesus' name, amen. So I get down to the next stoplight on First Street and Simpson. And I turn on the Simpson and I decide to change lanes. I put on my blinker and I look both ways, but I don't see any car because this one car was in my blind spot. So I move over into the left lane, almost hit him. He lays on the horn, I move over, and uh, as he gets up by me, I turn to say, I'm so sorry, but instead, he flips me off. (laughs) Now, I'm not reactionary, remember? So he pulls in front of my car, slams on his brakes. I pull in the other lane, just barely miss him, and uh, I look over and say again, I'm so sorry. He pulls up faster, pulls in front of me again, and slams on his brakes. So I pull in the other lane. He slows down. Again, I said, I'm sorry. He flips me off again, pulls in front of me, slams on his brake. Now I've missed the turn to the church. Something's rising up inside of me. And I miss him again. This time, I stepped on the gas, pulled in front of this guy, and slammed on my brakes. Yay, dug in the flesh. So this goes on all the way down to the turnoff to the hospital. And something came over me and said, Doug, this guy could go to your church. Doug, this guy could be a volunteer at the church. And I said, oh, Lord, please don't let him know me. I turn to go towards the hospital, get back on Cherry, come down and pull in front of the church right here. And I go, oh God, please forgive me. I guess I'm still reactionary. And the Lord said, yep, you're still reactionary, Doug. You still got issues. Knock, knock. But I found no matter what the delivery system is, you can trust that God is the one who's superintending over it all. And the early church had to believe this in in a way that very few of us uh, in America have to lay hold of, even though we think we're experiencing tough times. I'm not saying we're not, but I want you to know compared to the early church, we haven't even come close yet. And so they're experiencing great persecution. They have a famine in chapter 11, and they're taking up offerings just so the church can make it. And around the time they're getting the famine sorted out, Herod starts throwing these leaders in jail. Now, James is a leader, a very prominent leader. He's a brother of John. And uh, he was at the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John. And uh, he's a great and powerful leader of the church in Jerusalem. So he decides to arrest not only James and kill him, but Peter as well. So now Herod has Peter, and he's going to kill Peter after the Jews celebrate Passover. Now, to lose James is painful. I was wanting to know that. But to lose Peter threatens the very purpose of the church in Jerusalem uh, and, and in all of Israel. So there's also 
all sorts of opportunity as well because of the persecution. I don't know about you guys, but we have more opportunity these days than we've had in years because people are seeing what's going on and they're realizing God is going to use the church and use Christians. So as persecution is coming, opportunity is coming because the kingdom of God is spreading and advancing in spite of the opposition. So you can write this down. Every opportunity, every time opportunity comes to the door, opposition comes with it. It's taken a lot of years for me to learn this, but I've found that with uh, most opportunities, opposition comes towards me. I've also learned that when opposition comes, and I know it's going to cause discomfort, uh, it is God bringing an opportunity to teach me to trust him and to mature my walk with him. How many have found this to be true? Okay, so it's kind of hard to open the door when that knock comes because we want to knock on the door and we want it to be something special and uh, it's gonna be easy. Unless you've walked with him for a while and then you hear that knock and the next time you know, even even if God didn't send it, you know he's going to use it for your good. So the church is praying for Peter but they're still brokenhearted over James. And I don't know about you if you notice verse two, but when I read it, it said that Herod killed James with the sword. That means he took off James's head. So Herod's trying to stop the movement of the church by killing one of its head leaders. Kind of a pun there. You guys didn't get it, all right. All right, and he's appeasing the Jews so he can take advantage of an opportunity to advance his own human agenda. So, I just want you guys to take great hope today. No matter what goes on with human beings, no matter what goes on against your life, I want you to know, never discount God in your life. So, the church starts starts knocking on heaven's door through prayer. They start knocking, and as they knock, They're asking God to do something in this situation and Peter is in prison while the church is praying. Now, one interesting thing about this text is this. Peter at this moment has no idea how the people are doing and how the people are, how how their prayers are working. And the people have no idea how Peter is doing. So you can write this down. Sometimes you've got to pray by faith not knowing if it's doing any good in your life. I want you to hear that. Sometimes you've got to pray by faith, not knowing if it's doing any good in your life. And sometimes the proof that your prayers and faith are working is that opposition increases, okay? Now, some of you need to hear this word this morning because some of you are thinking, is is God still using me? Is God still with me? And I want you to know that if the devil showed up to resist you this morning and over the last number of days, weeks, and months, I want you to know if you were not hurting his kingdom, he wouldn't be touching you. And so he's coming after you because he's got to defend his territory or else he wouldn't bother you. So Peter's in prison, but the church is praying. Now, Uh, now would be a good time to just kind of go back in the story and check on Peter. 
Uh, I was telling Lois last night uh, that um, wouldn't it be great if we had nanny cams back in the Bible? Uh, I don't know about you if you like nanny cams, but uh, I like nanny cams. We, we have nanny cams around here. You don't know it, but it, if you're in here, sometimes uh, during the week we can check and see what you're doing and you don't know it because we have nanny cams. And the person that you're watching doesn't know it, and so we can have fun with it sometimes and uh, see what's going on. So let's pretend Peter's on a nanny cam, all right? Verse 6, the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was, Peter was what? That does not, that doesn't sound like Peter. Sounds like Peter should be pacing, praying, asking God's questions. So Peter's sleeping. How do you sleep when your life is on the line, especially if you're Peter, all right? So he's sleeping how? He's sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Have you ever had to sleep in between people? It's like you're being squeezed. It's like you can't move and you are trapped unless you're one of those ones who love to cuddle. Personally, I don't like anybody's leg on top of me. Well, this in-between is like, I really don't know what you're going to do about this situation or how it's going to turn out. And I could just see many of us in this situation. I really don't know what the doctor's going to say when I go back the next time, uh, but I've got to sleep in between. I don't know uh, how this is going to all turn out, but I know this, I can trust God. And so Peter, he's come a long way. You got to remember this. I'm going to remember in Acts chapter 10, Peter was questioning God just about kosher food and telling God, there's no way I'm going to do that. God, that's unclean food. And so now all of a sudden, Peter is beginning to not question, but be able to rest. Even with a vision, he argued with God in Acts 10, but here he is and and he's sleeping. I I wonder if he might remember Jesus on the boat in the storm. And they're going through the storm and Jesus is sleeping. What did Peter know that allowed him to sleep between two soldiers bound with chains? And I just want you to know, some of you can be bound with chains. You can be bound with discouragement. You can be bound with anxiety, unbelief and doubt and all those kind of things. And I'm here to tell you today, God's here to loose the chains, all right? So Peter remembered the in-between. In the boat one night, and they were going to the other side. And in between where they were and where they were going, they hit that storm. Sometimes we set out on a destination where God told us to go, but it's the in-between that your faith has to kick in to believe God when a storm comes out of nowhere. And the story tells us the disciples were straining at the oars and straining against the wind and the waves. And while they were straining, They were surprised to find Jesus asleep in the storm. So maybe Peter's learned something. Even though they might kill me, there's only so much I can do about this. I want you to hear this this morning. There's only so much you can do sometimes in your situation. And when I get to the other side, he's thinking, I'm going to need all the strength that I'm uh, going to need when I get through this trial with Herod. And here's a word for some of you this morning. Jesus is here to tell somebody this morning, 
I can do more while you're sleeping than you can while you're straining. And if you will get out of the way and out of your flesh and out of your anxiety, you might be surprised by the miracles that Jesus can pull up. So the disciples said, don't you care if we're in this storm? And Jesus said, this is how I fight my battles. I want you to get that. You know, when people pass away, we, we say, R.I.P., rest in peace. But I want you to hear something. While you're alive in Christ on this earth, it means, R.I.P. means rest in power. So Peter gives us a beautiful picture of trusting God by sleeping when Herod comes knocking. Peter's faith answers the door. Knock, knock. They're coming to get you, Peter, but he's learned something. He's learned, and you can write this down, obedience always comes before freedom. See, David's opportunity to take down Goliath came out of his father coming to his door and knocking on David's teenage life and asking him to do a simple task. Take some lunch to your brothers. And by that simple task, God gave him a great miracle. Now, Peter's about to get a miracle, but I want you to notice how he gets it. Verse 7, suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Now, the natural sequence of events would be the chains fell off, so Peter got up. But it doesn't say that. It says the angel told him to get up, and when he got up, the chains fell off his wrists. Do you see it? I want you to see this. So often we think the chains are going to fall off first, and then it's going to be easier with our problem, and we will be free from the thing that's keeping us in prison. But the key is this. You get up first, then the chains will fall off because obedience comes before freedom. You've got to answer the knock at the door. If you're not sure it's God, you've still got to answer the door and be kind with who's ever standing there, even if you're not going to get anything in return. So obedience creates freedom. It's our freedom from needing to know the outcome before you take the step. We have several freedom groups that are going on right now because our heart is that everybody gets free from the baggage that's been brought into your life. But the greatest principle you can learn to get free is just take one step of obedience and do what God asks you to do. So if he doesn't get up, the chains aren't going to fall off. And if you don't do what God's told you to do right now, God can't do what he wants to do. You don't know what he wants to do in your life. But if you'll just obey, you'll be surprised. See, God already intended to take his chains off, but if he waits until the chains fall off to get up, he's never going to get up because the chains aren't going to fall off. I hear people say things like this. When I get my financial situation in order, then I'll put God first in my finances. I'll give God the first. No, you won't. Did you hear me? No, you won't. If you don't do it with the little things, you won't do it with the big things. Luke 16 tells us, he who is faithful with a little will be faithful with much. Reminds me of the story of this pastor friend of mine who had a lady, she came up to him and said, when I win the lotto, 
I'm, I'm going to tithe to this church. And, and sure enough, she did. She won the lotto. She won $16 million. Do you think she tithed? No. Nope. She gave like $10,000. And a year later, after she lost it all, she came and asked for her $10,000 back. <laughs> See, the first step is to get up and the chains will fall off. And I love this part in the text because there's no indication that Peter had faith to be free from prison. All he's doing is going through the motions and sometimes that's all you can do. Some of you, you're probably asking yourself, why am I here today? You're here because you went through the motions. Maybe you're not feeling it, but you did the right thing. And I want you to know, if you do the right thing and get up, the chains will fall off your life. And uh, we, we would be like, most of us would miss the miracle. We'd be going like, the angel says, get up. We go, why? Who are you? Give me some identification, please. <laughs> Sometimes when you're in a place of rest, listen to this. When you're in a place of rest, you're able to respond without overthinking the situation and just respond to what God tells you to do. Some of you overthink worship. Some of you think, do I really need to raise my hands? Do I really need to clap? Well, yeah, you do. Because Jesus says he loves it when you clap and he loves it when you raise your hands. Do I really need to sing that song? Does that song really mean what it says? Listen, I'm telling you this. The old Peter would have been arguing about everything. Get up, what for? You're interrupting my sleep. I have a busy day tomorrow. I'm going on trial. I'm having a great dream here. You're interrupting it. And, and, and his mind would just go crazy. But he obeys. Look at verse eight. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap up your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. So this angel, this would bother all of us, still hasn't told him where he's going. He just said, get dressed. No details. I want you to hear this. No details, just obedience. Just gentle knocks. That's all he's doing. I don't know about you, but we use Google Maps when we're driving and Lois is over on the right side and uh, I'll say, do you know the next turn? She said, yes. I said, do you know the turn after that? No, it didn't give me that turn. Now, you can push on a certain button and get all the turns, but I would never remember all the turns. The next turn is all I need to know. So when I ask her, do you know, yep, here's what you need to do. And so I just do the next thing. Now, you don't have to be an important apostle like Peter to be in prison. Do you know addiction is a prison? Depression is a prison. Anxiety is a prison. Mindsets are a prison. Worry is a prison. Isolation can be a prison. Hiding and concealing things can be a prison. But if you're in a prison, all you have to do is the next step. You can't predict the path of your freedom. All you can do is respond, listen, to the light that's been shown to you in your cell. So respond to the light that God gives you. Obedience always comes before freedom. Verse nine. So Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing. What the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. Did, did you know that most of us don't know that God is working until after the fact? 
when you're in the middle of it, you don't know God's working. It's confusing. It's uncertain. But after you've gone through it, then you know that Romans 8.28 makes sense, which says this, and we, I know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So you know once you've gone through it, you can look back and say, God was in it all along. Verse 10, they passed the first and second guards, came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. Do you know this? God will do for you what you can't do for yourself. God will do that. But he won't do for you what you can do for you. Let me say that again. God will do for you what you can't do, but he won't do for you what you can do for yourself. All right, some of you don't like that, but that's the way it is. All right. And when they have walked the length of the street, suddenly the angel left him. I just want you to know, they walked through it together, then the angel's gone. Now you gotta walk by faith. And this morning, I just want you to know, uh, this morning, many are standing and knocking on a door that is already open and you need to know you have to walk through the door. The door's already open. You don't have to knock on it anymore and it's scary to walk through some doors. Have you ever been, have you ever walked into a doctor's office and nobody's there but the door's open? That's happened to me. And I'm thinking, do I, I knock a little bit, nobody's there. Do I walk down that hall or not? Probably not, but I want to. And it's scary. Listen, God will get you through the right doors. And listen to me, God will protect you during the attack and he will move you forward if you would just follow his direction in the midst of opposition. I know that one time I walked into this uh, doctor's office and the door was open, nobody was there. So I started walking down the hallway. This guy came out and said, what are you doing here? I said, well, nobody was there and the door was open. Oh, I'm sorry, and he tended to me right away. So there you go. God will get you through this. You won't know how, but he will get you through it, and the gate is open. The, the, the way has been made, and faith has already provided for you the grace that you need. And now the angels left him, and he has to walk by faith. So Peter comes to the moment, and this is where a lot of us have to go. Where do I go from here? Where do I where do I What door do I knock on? But Peter remembered. He knew exactly where to go. You know why I think he went to uh, John Mark's house, his mother's house? Because I think Peter was in that prayer meeting when James got arrested. And he knew they were praying there. He knew exactly what house to go to, what door to knock to, because he was part of that prayer meeting. And so uh, Peter knocks on that door, and as he does... Uh, it, things begin to unfold. Look at verse 11. When Peter came to himself and said, I know without a doubt now that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. And then verse 12. When, his, when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. It's amazing to me that they were still praying. I want you to hear this. We give up so quickly on prayer. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to him, which means Rose, by the way. 
to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. And guess what they said to her? You're out of your mind. To me, that's a compliment because our minds have been our prisons for many, many years. So they told her when she kept insisting that, that it was so, they said it must be his angel. It was easier for them to believe that Peter had died and his angel showed up and actually God answered their prayers. Sometimes it's easier for us to believe that we are worthless and that our life doesn't matter than to believe that God resurrects dry bones. All right? Man, the Holy Spirit's telling some of you this morning, don't stop knocking. You're at the right door. And I just want to say to those of you who are here this morning, you're knocking on the right door. God's here. His presence is here. His power is here. Listen, God can even use the imperfect faith of a hurting church to break Peter out of prison. And if you're to keep knocking and keep knocking, and if you keep asking and keep seeking, I declare to you, Jesus is at your door. So when James died, I think some of us would say, when I went through this tragedy, I stopped believing. In this season of my life, I just stopped. But look at verse 16. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Do you know, you knock different when you're desperate. You knock different. I don't think Peter had this little quiet, gentle knock. I think when she shut that, she didn't open the door. I think when she went back in and said, Peter's outside, I think Peter started, bam, 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 let me in kind of thing. And I believe today, Revelations 3.20 is for you. Now, Jesus isn't knocking this way. He's knocking gently. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he, and he with me. And I believe Jesus is standing at many of our doors today saying, I'm with you. I want to go through this with you. You can trust me and I'll be there with you. Verse 17, Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet as he came in and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other, he's talking about James now, his brother, his half-brother, and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him, did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. That's not a guy you want to work for, by the way. And guess what, church? At the end of this chapter, Peter wasn't dead. Herod was. I want you to hear this. Whatever your enemy is, God can take care of him. All right, verse 23 and 24. Immediately, because, and, and so you need to know what Herod did. Peter went to Caesarea, so did Herod, by the way, and all these people came to hear Herod speak. And as Herod got up to speak and gave this speech, all these people started praising and worshiping Herod. And because he did that, here's what Jesus said. I've had enough of you, Herod. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God continued to spread and flourish. Don't we serve a great God? Come on, let's stand.
every eye closed, every head bowed. The only reason God allowed this trial, I think, was to free Peter and many others from what was holding them captive. Our God is a mighty warrior. When he knocks, he doesn't quit knocking. And we should never quit knocking either. We keep knocking until God answers prayer. God's purpose will always overrule human intention. So, keep knocking. This morning, every head bowed, every eye closed. Today, you need to know Jesus is knocking at your door. But maybe you've been knocking on Jesus' door. And I don't know what you've come from, what you're going through, but I can tell you this, God's bigger than your situation and bigger than what you've been going through. Today, he's saying, if you'll let me in, I'll come in and sup with you and dine with you. And together, we'll have a great life. If that's you this morning and you need Christ in your life, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right now. Just say, that's me. I need Jesus in my life. Keep them high. I see one, two, three, four, five. That's awesome. All right. Let's pray this prayer together. Say this with me. Father God, thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son, Jesus, to die in my place. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of all my sins, all my mistakes, and all my failures. Come into my life and be my Savior, my Lord, my boss, my friend, and my King. And by your grace and by your power, I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand for these folks. Now you need to know your next step is getting fresh start classes, which I think start next service, and get baptized in water. That's the next step there as well. And then let's just take a moment to worship. Let's have some prayer people up here if you need a prayer for anything this morning. And if you need some uh, steps, these po- folks will help you get started on your walk with the Lord. So prayer folks, come on up. Let's worship just for a moment, and then we'll be done.